Hello you, it's Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. This weekend, Zachary Quinto and David Harewood star opposite each other in West End play Best of Enemies. They're with me to tell us all about it. Cliff Richard, yay, is back with his first Christmas album in 20 years. Dick and Angel Strawbridge get us ready for the finale and Christmas special of the last series of Escape to the Chateau on Channel 4. Martha bakes two delicious types of Christmas cookies and we're putting our heads together to solve your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. Here's Maria to kick us off. Oh, look, I've just noticed the Wheel of Fortune in the corner. I'm not playing that today. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but just to let people know, it is here. Yeah, your eyes are working. You My know, eyes you are noticed w- the big wheel. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, it was my birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you for my lovely present. Aww. He bought me a house, everyone. Yes, I did. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> um, do you want to know what I did? What I did was I went for drinks and then yes, I went yes, for dinner. Went, you went for drinks. I went for drinks, then I went for dinner, then I went to a party, and then I went to a club. And I've come straight here from the club. <laughs> yeah, wrapped in tinfoil like one of those yeah, marathon runners. exactly. <laughs> no, th- that is all a lie. I was in bed by 12. Oh, but you did, you, you did raise a glass to yourself, didn't you? Oh, of course, I went for dinner with friends, yes. Oh, lovely. But all the other stuff I would have done had I been a bit younger than I am now. Yeah, but it's, it's a, yeah, but it's not a, a massive birthday. No. <laughs> Did you like the pause there? Well, the I mean, prank- they're all, you know, I, I feel that they're all quite big at this stage, but, but yours isn't a particularly eventful one. No, exactly. And you can understand why people say, oh, birthdays, schmirthdays, once you get past a certain age. Uh, yeah. Birthdays are for the young. <laughs> Well, they are, you know, because, you know, if you're young, you get excited if someone gives yes. you a paddling pool. I liked my friend said, um, we're now at an age where we call the Sniper Valley age, where you're just waiting for something to get you. <laughs> As we walk through life. Yes, like a sniper waiting. Ah, oh, what's that, what's that, what's that? No, that was all But you had, a, you, had a, you had a nice day. I had a lovely day. Thank you very much for your inquiry, sir. And will you be watching the England-France game latterly this evening? Uh, no, no, I won't. <laughs> no, I will not be it's doing that. It's a very that. exciting game. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go 2-1. I live next door to a pub. I'll know if somebody scores. Oh, you so will. <laughs> Glasses will be thrown at the wall. In fact, <laughs> I live next door to a pub. How lovely for you. I know, it's nice. I follow the football that way. <laughs> oh, it sounds like England are doing well. Good luck, England. If there's a strange, still, quiet in the air, I'll know England have not done well. I have been this week, Graham, clearing my mum's house because she's gone into a home. And my mum lived in this house for 70 years. I found, without throwing anything away, it seems, I found a receipt for a silver cross pram from 1951 when my eldest sister was born. (laughs) She's quite a lot older than me. Um, And the receipt was for, this is old money, £12, 10 shillings and Sixpence. That is sixpence a Rolls Royce of prams. It was the Rolls Royce of prams. And I thought, oh my God, that's so sweet. She kept the receipt. And then we found the pram. <laughs> Did you bring it back? Yeah. I kept the receipt. <laughs> I put it on the back of my bike. Uh, I kept the receipt, yes. This didn't work out for us, I'm uh, afraid. Yeah, yeah. Apparently it was just wind. <laughs> I've been waiting and waiting. I mean, it was just this, wind. This, uh, can I bring this back? <laughs> this pram is like a tractor. It's so heavy. But it is going to Shepparton Studios because obviously they make a lot of period dramas. Oh, yes. So I think Call the Midwife have done that age already, 1951. And so, you know, it'll and it comes with its own canopy still in its box. 
Really? I know. That is lovely. Does it have the thing... Um, you remember when it was sunny and you had to protect children from... The, where you you pinned the thing up yes. in front of the hood? Yes, 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 yes. One of those as well. It has, it has everything. But it is the weight of a tractor. You think, how did anybody ever push this with the added weight of a baby? And I was quite a fatso, apparently. <laughs> You should have brought it back to your new house. You could have slept in it. <laughs> should I make it a piece of art and put it in the middle of the room? Oh, that would be and lovely. And arrange flowers in it. <laughs> that would be gorgeous. Hey, talking of arranging things, yes. could you shuffle some letters into an order of uh, letter one and letter two? Yeah, and, that's quite uh, hard. And then, I know. That's why I'm going to give you some time. <laughs> Virgin Radio. Here we go. <clears throat> Dear Graham and Maria, my husband is adopted and has lived a happy upbringing with his family. He's known since he was a child and has never expressed the desire to search for his birth parents. I've been taking care of the house and our daughter for a month as he's been away on business in Holland, as he is every year. Nothing out of the ordinary. Until the other day, when I was going through our post and found a handwritten letter in unfamiliar writing. I open all our posts when he's away and tell him what's arrived, but I have no idea what to do about this letter. Upon opening, I read and discovered it was from someone claiming to be my husband's birth mother saying that she wanted to get in touch and reconnect, explaining in part why she gave him up. I feel so guilty for reading it, despite it being the norm with all the posts while he's away. I don't feel like this is something I can tell him about over the phone, but he won't be home for another two months. We've been married for ten years now, and I know him like the back of my hand in one way, but I have no idea how he'd take this news. Really? Should I wait until he's home to tell him, tell him as soon as possible, or do I even tell him at all? I don't think this is the sort of thing I could keep a secret, even if I think he doesn't want to know. Help, please. That is from Kate in Eastbourne. Kate in Eastbourne, you're getting yourself in a big tangle about something that isn't worth getting in a tangle about. Of course you tell him. You tell him over the phone. You say, I, you know, of course, I open all the posts. You have had a handwritten letter from your birth mother who wants to get in touch. While he's away, he may want to write her a letter. You know, this is the way... It's slowly, slowly, I think, with these things. So it's quite good that he's away, but I think the letter needs acknowledging. It probably cost his birth mother quite a lot emotionally to write this letter to him after all this time. And I think a lot of people want to put right wrongs. So she gave him up for adoption. He, she wants to tell him what the reasons were. Of course he's happy and he's had a happy upbringing with his adopted family. Nobody is negating that. This woman isn't trying to be in his life all the time. It's a real connection and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't but it's your husband's uh gig and it's his choice to make and you would it would be a dereliction of your duty having read the post to uh, not tell him that it had arrived and maybe he would like to acknowledge the letter and say i'm away at the moment can i think about it and can we reconnect in the new year or can i talk to you in the new year or whatever but Kate from Eastbourne, don't worry about it anymore. Don't overthink it anymore. Next time you speak to him on the phone, which is probably every day, tell him. Yeah, absolutely. Because the longer you leave this, you're making it weird. Yeah. Because if he goes, when did the letter arrive? And you go, ten days ago. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't speak like that. Kate does not speak like that. That's an Eastbourne accent. Uh, is it? Yes. Very uh, quiet. <laughs> so tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him. And uh, the other thing is, you know, this may not be his mother. You don't know. What? Well, he needs to do a bit of research. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, when she says, supposedly, this is his birth mother, I can't think of anybody just randomly sending... I mean, there's a lot of scammers around. Yes. But I can't think of anybody randomly reaching out and making up excuses. But anyway, yes, you're right. Uh, he needs to do some because research. Of, and also because doing it this way round, I think it's a quite inex inexact science. It's very hard for the birth mother to find the kid, isn't it? It's, it's supposed to be designed for the kid that it's easier to find the birth mother. Yeah, but I think you can do it both ways. Uh, now, I think it, once upon a time that was the case, but I think now, if you want to connect, you can. And she's obviously done her research, and it's an important thing for her. I think anybody out there who has had to give up a child, uh, normally older people now, because things are a little different, will want to put things right. I think people spend their entire lives worrying about what happened to their child. And the other thing, Kate, is let your husband make a decision about this. If he decides he doesn't want to contact this woman, he doesn't want to acknowledge this letter, that's fine. Let him. Because it's this is totally... His gig. His gig. And whatever you think, oh, for the best, you should do this, or you perhaps side with the mother because you are now a mother, and you kind of think, oh, I couldn't bear it if my son refused to get in touch. It, it, that's all... You know, that's his thing. He's got to deal with this himself. Mm. And it'll it'll only muddy the water if you try to get involved or have big, strong opinions. Well, he'll probably say, what do you think I should do? Because that's what, you know, husband and wives do. But I think you're right, it will muddy the water if Kate tries to get involved. But sometimes a lot of people think that when birth mothers get involved or you trace your birth mother, that it's going to upset the rest of the family and it's going to throw a big, you know, hand grenade into things. And it's not necessarily that. It's just that somebody wants to make peace with the past. Um, maybe you will get on, maybe you won't. Uh, you know, we've all seen long-lost families. Yes, exactly. And how that ends. Well, you know, they, they make it end well normally, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, and also sometimes you feel like, mm, let's see episode two. <laughs> I'd like to see next week. I think they should do Long Lost Families, The Rejection. <laughs> I'd watch that, wouldn't you? Oh, I would, yes. <laughs> it all ended horribly. Uh, the responses are part one. And my favourite responses today will be getting... Now, if I say mince pies, you'll think, oh, that's nice. Wait. You'll be getting Waitrose number one, brown butter mince pies with cognac. Oh, yeah. Mince pies with brown butter pastry with rich mincemeat containing apricots. Glass of cherries, almonds, brandy, and laced with cognac. Brandy and cognac. Wow. I kind of thought they were the same thing. But I, what do I know? Waitress knows better. Shut up, Graham. Move on. OK, Nick and Jackie. You should tell him and forward it on to him. That poor mother will already be anxious, wondering if she's done the right thing or if she'll get any response. Take a photo of the letter and send it to him on WhatsApp. It's a no-brainer. Inform him and get it to him immediately. Uh, Richard in uh, Kelvedon says, if Katie feels unable to tell her husband over the phone, she should forward the letter to him with a covering letter explaining this. The decision is then left to him what he wants to do. But obviously she has to tell him. I mean, you have to tell him. Uh, Kaz in Leicester, this is good advice. Tell your husband ASAP. Remove any emotion in the way you deliver the message. I got some good advice once. Stick to the facts and you can't go wrong. It applies here. Please don't sweat it. And that is true. If you just tell him, don't, you know, don't couch it up in all kind of fancy. Oh, now don't be upset. Blah, blah, blah. Just tell him. A letter arrived. This is what it is. Boom. 
Uh, Jonathan in Deeping in Deeping St. James uh, yes of course you tell him keep it simple I have a video call rather than a phone call and I would also have it scanned ready and email him while on the call too and go through it together if he wants to it's not your news to keep but his to know oh, very good the longer it goes on the harder it will be but he but of course he needs to know sooner rather than later and final bit of advice is from Michael in Antrim as someone whose adoption was hidden from, from them for 36 years I want to say to Kate that she has no role in this other than to support her husband him being away for two months is actually perfect for some reflection on his own so take a pic of the letter and WhatsApp it to him no need to wait for airmail just let him know you've received it send it and support him Everything else is for him to process. Uh, thank you very much for all those responses. I'm going to send the brown butter mince pies with cognac from Waitrose to Kaz in Leicester for that uh, stick to the facts and you can't go wrong advice. Words to live by. Graham's Guide. Here's the second problem. Dear Graham and Maria. I'm in the process of getting ready for Christmas this year and I want to make sure my family has the best time. Already dangerous. And I want it to be a lovely occasion for them. They've all been my rocks for the past few years and I want to show them how much they mean to me and what they deserve. Give them what they deserve. I can't really afford the biggest and the best, but want to make sure we have some traditions to take forward together as a family. The only issue is I have absolutely no idea where to start. These, these don't have to be super traditional traditions per se, just something that shares the love and that we can all have fun doing together. Do you and your listeners have any suggestions? And that is from Jason in Newark. I mean, Jason in Newark, where have you been for the past however many Christmases <laughs> when you say I, I have absolutely no idea where to start? I mean, uh, I don't know where to start with that, really. OK. What's <laughs> Crack crackers not, are fun. Yeah. What's not expensive? <laughs> carols. OK, you have a carol service. You can hire or rent or print out some Boo. carols. Shush. I'm trying to do things. He wants traditions. <laughs> he wants traditions to go forward that people will remember. Bonfire, it, bonfire. Yeah. Mulled wine. I mean, basically, Jason, the biggest and the best doesn't necessarily mean the happiest or the most loving. It's the little moments that you remember. So making Christmas decorations. I mean, you know, Kirsty Allsop's whatever Christmas fair that she makes things which I mean, probably, that's just probably cost way more than if you went to a shop. But it's yeah. the process <laughs> of making things together. So just make things together with, you know, sticky back plastic and crepe paper and some glitter. If you've got young children and, and, you know, because that's the tradition and then you hang things on the tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about, shush, Graham, shush, what about also making food, preparing the food together? Cooking. So, sausage rolls. That's traditional. You know, special Christmas stuff, though, pigs in blankets and things like that. Yeah. So or vegan things, if you prefer. Uh, vegetarian Ve pigs yeah. in blankets and so on. Go on then, stop laughing at me and you have some suggestions. Well, actually, okay, here's the nice thing. Like, crackers are easy to make. Make crackers... But, but Toilet roll? But, but, yeah, but put personal gifts in them. Put, like, funny little personal things or, you that know... You buy in a, that you get in a charity shop. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But something that means something to the person who has, you know, so it's no, that's already the... hard and expensive. Just is funny it? things that you get in a charity okay, shop. Okay, funny things you get in a charity shop. Um, what else is good? Uh... And um, what about writing little funny jokes as well? Yes, you write funny jokes. Why, yeah. why does the something shake? Because it's sort of the Queen's bottom or something. <laughs> and what is that joke? <laughs> 
not suitable for air, I'm guessing. Oh, it's a... <laughs> no, let's not... Let's not it's keep... a cracker joke. It's a okay, cracker joke. Let's, not, let's stop thinking about it. Um, I think... Uh, look, Jason, I think what's nice is that you all get together. And you what you can't do is force these things. I think traditions happen. So when you're all together, you kind of go, when will we open the presents? And as a group, as a family, you decide when you open the presents, whether you open some before breakfast and then you save your big presents to later, or, you know, all that kind of thing. You just, these things evolve. You can't kind of go, right, I've decided this is a tradition. You can't do that. Just mm. these things. Lots of people do, Graham. <laughs> they do. And that's why people have a very, very unhappy Christmases. <laughs> yeah. the, because yes. they have the, such a rigid, I think that's, Graham's right, don't be too rigid about it things evolve and are, are organic but if you get things like party games to play with a kind of christmas theme you can play that charades what's in the bag who's in the bag but you make it christmas carols that sort of like bob cratchit and remind me never to spend Tim. christmas with you <laughs> I'd spend Christmas with you. We didn't do this. Sitting in a chair being lonely. <laughs> Who's in that room? Maria. She's got a bag with some Christmas carols in it. <laughs> don't go in there. We're not giving her presents yeah, this year. Don't go in there. She'll make you play it. <laughs> well, he's trying to think of cheap traditions that people will remember. It's the fun stuff. It's the things that yeah. make you laugh. It's the things that make you enjoy each other's company. Yeah. And I think, Jason, here's the thing. I think if you you can make it look like you've made a real effort like do lay the table make the table really nice you know do little party favours on the table that kind of go thing go steal some holly from a holly bush that sort of thing and you know they'll know not from someone's they'll garden. know what it meant to you that you have put lots of thought into this that's the important thing and I think the traditions will just fall into place by themselves you don't need to you know push the boat out you don't need to have you know a, a house covered with lights to, no. to make but people if you're, think but if you're doing sort of, you know, cheap things with holly and a wreath and so on, you better start now. You've got two weeks to start making <laughs> oh, things. Carol Vorderman. <laughs> <laughs> You've got... <laughs> Maria tries to do some adding up. <laughs> Sorry, it was two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Jason. If it be, and actually, I think the listeners will have a much better handle on this. I hope so, because we've been total rubbish. <laughs> I suggested cooking, and my favourite responders will be getting a box of those Waitrose number one brown butter mince pies <gasps> with cognac. I thank you. Uh, Kerry is in Wrexham. We all hide one present for each person somewhere in the house, and then it's the person's. And then the person's cracker has a clue in it, giving them an idea of where the present is. They have to go and hunt for it. It doesn't have to be an expensive present. That sounds fun, as long as you know somebody has to organise it. But Jason can do that. He wants to do something. Carl is in Long Eaton. Jason, stop right there. I'm so with you, Carl. You are putting too much pressure on yourself for everyone to have the best time. Your family will treasure spending the time together, perhaps to walk after lunch and a Christmas film to fall asleep watching. It's great that you want things to be wonderful for everyone, but let things evolve and for others to help forge those traditions you are looking for naturally. It's the season of goodwill. Enjoy. Very good advice. At Rosemary's in Perthshire, my family completes a Christmas jigsaw together every year. It's a fun way to get away from screens for a bit. It always gets really competitive and everyone of all ages love it. That's Rosemary's house in Perthshire. Steer clear because there's a jigsaw going on in there. <laughs> Look, they enjoy it. 
Rosemary Perthshire enjoys it. Good for her. Hey, Graham, Christmas ideas. We do little gifts at the table for dinner. Funny ones, if possible, usually under £2. We also did pass the parcel this time, too. Good laughs for odd adults, including a tea bag as one of the prizes. Just things from around the house. Wink murder, also hilarious. Fiona, freezing in Huddersfield. I mean, that's good fun. And easing, just wrap it in newspaper and off you go. There you go. Uh, do something cheap but thoughtful. Organise a day to do a nice walk, once suitable for young and old, so no complaining. Maybe climb a nearby hill already complaining <laughs> you found a hill uh, then at the top oh wait then at the top <laughs> I thought we'd got over the, the hill no we're on it we're on the top of it then at the top produce a flask or two of hot chocolate and some mince pies <gasps> if only I prefer if only I liked this advice you'd be getting you'd be getting mince pies uh, or whatever. Having not told anyone, that was what you were going to do, giving a nice surprise element. You could then do this every year and remember what you were doing the previous year. You know what, Heidi, in a very chilly royal wooden basket, go on. I'll I'll send the um, I'll send the pins bottom inspires to you, and uh, you can do that yourself if you have a nearby hill. I mean, that's the key part of that that plan. But uh, good luck. The Graham Norton Radio Show with. Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Well, now, it's time to meet my first guest of the day. Best of Enemies at the Noel Coward Theatre until Saturday, February the 18th. You can get tickets at bestofenemiesplay.com. It stars Join Me Now. David Harewood and Zachary Winto. Uh, morning, gentlemen. Good morning, good morning. Good Yay! Morning. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, so, you, how long have you been doing it for? A couple of weeks? Uh, yes, two weeks, I think, is about... We've, we opened um, a couple of Mondays ago. Okay. It feels like we've been doing it forever, but um, <laughs> but but that's yes. a little hurtful, poor Zachary. <laughs> no, no, I, I love it. It does. It feels like ages and ages. Yeah, but it, so you're kind of you're settled in, and it's all mm. yeah. Yeah. We are settled in, I feel like now, yes. Yeah, and it's sort of Christmassy, and uh, it's, I mean, it, even though it's, you know, it looks like a deeply political play, it's actually really funny as well. There's lots of humour, and it's wonderful that audiences sort of, you know, you can see audiences kind of coming alive as as, as the show progresses. Because they were both funny men. We should explain. So basically, these are, it, it's based on these real... TV debate. The first happened. TV debate. The first TV debate back in 1968. So, Zachary, you play... I play Gore Vidal. And David? I play William F. Buckley, strangely enough. Yes. Who was a white <laughs> a white conservative, uh, a right-wing conservative. Yeah, so so it's uh, we're sort of playing a trick with the, with, with, with the audience, but it's, it really does work because you find yourself listening to this man that you probably would have... A modern audience would probably dismiss, I think. Would they? I think so, yeah. A modern, well, a certain faction of the modern audience and then another faction of them would have exalted him. True, truly, you know? truly. The nature of the play is really about the genesis of uh, of commentators on the news. That, that had never been a thing before 1968 and Buckley and Vidal were really the first non-news people to be brought in to express opinions on political happenings of the day. It was unheard of at the time, and 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 I think the the relevance of why the play works so well is because you can see the journey that that set us on and where we are today in that regard, where we've just created these echo chambers, and people come on and scream at one another, and and you just listen to what you want to hear rather than actually listen to what someone else might have to say. And also, I suppose opinion as entertainment. Yeah, exactly. News entertainment. Yeah. 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 And these two men, obviously quite opposed uh, opinion, but did they get on at all? 
No. no. Okay. They famously loathed each other. Yeah, they really hated each other. Okay. I thought, I thought there might have been a little backstage bands. No, no, no. no. Really, no. Yeah. <laughs> and is the play, is the dialogue in the play based on transcripts or has it been rewritten or...? Uh, well, the debates themselves are pretty verbatim. James Graham, uh, the playwright, the amazing, talented playwright, um, edited and uh, composited the debates and then extrapolated and also created scenes uh, between both of these guys in their private lives as well. So um, the debates are verbatim and then the other stuff is, is, is more um, dramatized. And did I presumably are the the, the tapes of the debate they exist? Do you they? can watch them on YouTube. Yeah. They're, okay. They're, so they're so all... did you both do that? Yes, yeah. I did. Yes, just a as lot. a bit of research. I did too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> a lot. You did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, what's 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 really extraordinary because they are verbatim and unlike a normal play where there's an emotional line. Um, a, a lot of these things are just obviously coming out of somebody's mind. And like the other day, I completely oh dried on stage. So totally forgot my lines. <laughs> totally forgot my lines. And somehow managed to get myself back on track. Well, the irony was that he forgot his line at a point in the play when he's supposed to be reading a quote off of his clipboard. So there was no way that I could bail him out. You know, as, an, as a fellow actor, you really feel for somebody that's going through that. And I was just sitting there staring at him being like, I can't help you because you have to be giving me a line that you're supposed to be reading. It, yeah. it does, felt does like that say? Years. Does that say? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was really. I saw David start to sweat. Like I saw the sweat forming on his brow after that moment. It was really harrowing. Wow. I have to say, for both of us, very especially scary. for him, very scary. Uh, very it's scary. horrifying. Horrifying. Wow. You, you did a great job of getting yourself out, though. I don't know if you noticed though. So then my line. After that part of the play, I say something to the effect of, I'm so happy to see you doing your homework that you quote from the, the platform of the Democrats. And last night, did you notice that I said, I'm so happy to see you doing your homework, Bill, that you so accurately quoted from the platform of the Democrats because you actually got the line correct. But I don't know if that wow. landed on you or not. Wow. Shade, oh, a little, shade a little dig shade. in there. A little dig. Shade, you know. And Zachary, you've done uh, lots of shows on, on Broadway. That's right. But this is your first West End. It is, yeah. And I'm... is it significantly different or is it kind of just... Uh, there are differences for sure. Um, velvet. What? <laughs> your your favorite term, velvet. Oh yeah, seeing a lot of velvet in the audience. <laughs> no, I think the big, you know, the the biggest difference I would say is the spirit of Doctor Footlights, which is <laughs> a term that David coined for me. Which was like when when we we had very, you know, it was a pretty quick truncated rehearsal process, and we got really thrown into the deep end, and it's a very tech tech heavy show, and you know, uh, and and I was like, how is this going to work? And David was like, well, Doctor Footlights, like that'll, it's very it's very keep calm, carry on British sensibility. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, it's, I, you know, but uh, I've wanted to work here for ages. Every time I've come here for the last five, ten years, I've made sure to sit down with anybody who listen that I want to work here. So it's a real thrill for me, um, a, a real sort of, you know, goal that I had set for myself long ago to be able to have accomplished it and to be in, in the company of such great people. And David's been so welcoming and supportive. And as is the rest of the company, it's been really a great experience. And David, you obviously love this play because you did it before at the Young Vic, right? I did, yes, yeah. We did it. Uh, so it was, uh, I originally turned it down twice because I just didn't seem to resonate. And then 
the more I uh, spoke to Kwame, who, who, who kind of sent, sent the play my way, and the more I sort of started to understand and dig into Buckley's story, it really started to become kind of Shakespearean, this, the idea that there was this man who sort of kind of prided himself in his honour and decency and sort of rightfulness and, and then used a word which, which had never been used on American television before, uh, live, and uh, shocked the nation, and then sort of regretted saying that word for the rest of his life. I thought that was an incredibly sad journey for this man to go on. And now, so I think I've got this wrong. I thought you... S- were you swapping roles in that last production? Were no, you no, 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 no. You were always... Always uh, playing Buckley. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. And what's it like having a new gore? Well, this guy's fantastic. Um, I, I, you know, I, I mean, Charlie was, was, was wonderful. Uh, um, uh, and it's, it's, you know, one, one can never com- uh, um, compare, but I think Zach has brought uh, a whole level of, of danger and, um, and, and truth that, that I think all of us have had to respond to. So it's just a slightly different flavour, and it's, it's, it's wonderful to work with such a talented uh, actor because he literally had three weeks to learn this part. And he walked in, the minute he walked in the door, he really kind of brought the fire. So it's been a real joy to watch him work. Because what's this been like for you, Zach? Because presumably you've never joined a cast before. I've never before. joined a cast that's pre-existed me. No, it was, uh, it was a unique experience and definitely a bit of, uh, of, of, of trial by fire in the sense that, you know, most of the people in the company had done the production before. And so I did feel like I came. I did know... I read nothing about the previous production. I didn't avail myself of anything. I, I really just connected to the play itself and to the character. Yeah. And uh, and luckily, the play is rich and uh, and complex. And you know, Gore Vidal w- was one of the most fascinating men in 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 certainly the 20th century of America. Um, you know, so there's no shortage of inspiration. Um, but timing wise, I didn't, I didn't have a, a tremendously luxurious rehearsal period. Uh, yeah. I had just finished a job right before I started rehearsal. So I really just jumped in and kind of started, hit the ground running. And for David, I mean, was it kind of like, what's, what's Gorvital doing over there? He's never stood, <laughs> up, he's never stood over there before. <laughs> no, it, I, I mean, but it, it, it is, it is great to sort of, uh, have somebody sort of, um, kind of reimagine the role. Has it, has it changed your performance? Yes, it has. Yes, it has, without a doubt. Uh, and um, I'm glad of that because it's it's fresh and it's uh, new, and uh, I think just a little bit more dangerous. And and um, I, I find that really kind of appealing. And I'm looking at the dates, and I'm realizing you're doing that thing. You're working over Christmas. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's uh, what? You, presumably, you live in London, David. I do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you invited Zachary over? You I have. I have. I have plans. I'm, I must wow. say, thank you for Awkward. the invitation, but I am spoken for. Um, it's so wonderful to be here during Christmas, though, and uh, you know where our theater is situated, right, sort of in the middle of Seven Dials, and every street has more lights than the last street on it, and just the spirit of people in in Covent Garden in that area of, of the city is pretty amazing it's, for an it's American. So busy, uh, yeah. yeah. I think it's this is our first sort of non-COVID Christmas for for a mm-hmm. while, and it's everyone's just packed into town. It's very exciting to be yeah. in West. No, End. I have to say, I think London's doing Christmas very well this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it good times. Lovely, really, sure. really gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, you are at the Duke of York's Theatre. No, 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 no,
uh, you had the Noel go. Well done for knowing, though. <laughs> Are we? Oh. I thought Which it said one? no. I thought it said Noel Coward. I guess he. I guess he knows what he's doing. He's reading from his paper. Um, uh, the best of enemies at the Noel Coward Theatre until Saturday, February the eighteenth. Uh, tickets available at bestofenemiesplay.com. It presumably it's a two-show day. Yes, yes, it is. Matinee okay. evening show. Shuffling off to the theatre as we Run, speak. Run, fly, yeah, my yeah. pretties. <laughs> <laughs> Delight the audience. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. He's here, ladies and gentlemen. Merry Christmas, one and all. Cliff Richard returns. Uh, now, I, I'm surprised to find you here because we were just talking during the record, you were talking about Barbados. Yeah. I always saw you, Barbados, Christmas. Well, I... Well, now, it, I have been in Barbados for Christmas, but the first year that I had almost put me off because the tree was quite tall. We have quite high ceilings. It took me about four hours to put it up, and I had three showers because <laughs> it was so hot. I was sweating all over the place. And the only strange thing is whether you're in... This year I've been invited to go to Fort Lauderdale, and, of course, even that's a warm, hot place. Yes. So... When when I'm dreaming of a white Christmas comes on, you think, never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you are going full Christmas this year. It's the return of uh, Cliff of Christmas. This is called uh, Christmas with Cliff. It was released uh, at the end of last month. And it is almost 20 years since your last Yeah, Christmas. they said 19 years since the last one. And I, it didn't cross my mind to do one, actually, because... Um, I just never thought about it. I've done it. And then the record company said, we'd like to do a Christmas album with you. And they reminded me how long ago it was, the first one. So I said, OK. And they sent me a list. I don't know. Graham, I didn't realise. They sent me a list of about 150-odd songs. I didn't know there were that many classic old Christmas songs. So I scratched out the ones that I'd already done and then picked out 10 from the ones that I'd like to do. And I asked them, I said, can I, if I can look for some new stuff as well? They said, if you find anything new, send it. So I sent them three songs and they liked them all three, so they're on the album. So it's a mixture of stuff. And I don't know if you've heard the album yet, you may not have at time, but I got two producers. One is a rock and roller guy, one of the other, one of the other guys a German, uh, and he and his, they're all both, they both live in LA, so they know about LA sounds. And I just said, I've heard a lot of Christmas albums, and like, I, did you hear the Michael Bublé album? Oh, yeah. I shouldn't course, be yeah. talking about my. <laughs> yeah, no, no, my, don't, no. Yeah, yeah. But it's he's, fan, he's your competition. <laughs> it's a fantastic album. I mean, it's, it, and I, well, I've always loved his voice. I tried to get a duet to sing with him this year, but he was not available. He was on tour. So I'm, I'm hoping that one day I'll be able to say, I've recorded with Michael Bublé. Yeah. But anyway, even Michael's, his, it's the most fantastic, cla- jazzy version of those songs. And I said to my guys, look, I just want to be taken back a bit. I want as many ding-dong, chung-kong. <laughs> They've got reindeer hoofs on one of the songs. So I felt that my, my record is slightly more Christmassy than everybody else's. But it's nice to be there. I, but, but because you've had so much success with Christmas songs, like Mistletoe Wine, Saviour's Day, Millennium Prayer, do people offer you Christmas songs all the time? No, they don't, actually. No. I mean, this year, because it was mentioned and, uh, and somehow... In fact, a good friend of mine wrote the very last song on the album, which is called Six Days After Christmas, which is... Six days after Christmas, we let the new year in. So it's not a Christmas song. It's actually a welcome to the new year. But I th- And the guy, the people at Warner Music said, I think that's great. That'll be a fabulous last song on the, th- on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it was just a matter of doing that, really, and trying to get it all out and about. And am I right in thinking you recorded it in Miami? 
I did. The uh, the tracks that uh, I sang to were recorded in L.A. Um, the the guy, the German guy, who does the more gentler pop. Um, uh, he got from Budapest, I think, a choir from Budapest. Wow. There's four girls in L.A., which they double-tracked, so there was like eight of them doing their thing. There was a black choir. So it's a very diverse type of album, and I'm so, I'm so really happy with it. I could live with that for a long time, yeah. another 19 years. And it must have been nice to get back in the studio. Well, I get into the studios quite regularly. I had an album last year out, um, and then... I, because I, I record almost every couple of years. Yeah. So I'm, and it's, it's my favourite thing. If I, could, if I could be in the studio every single day, I would be. And were you able to record during uh, all the lockdown and all that sort of stuff? Uh, no, because I was trapped. I say trapped. I was locked down in Barbados f- from for nearly, yeah, for <laughs> nearly 18 months. And uh, as soon as I got out, the, the last album that I did, um, I, I did in Miami. And it was just a matter. I got to, I got out to Florida, had my injections and everything, and then spent a week in the studio. And it doesn't take me that long. I think it's much harder for the producers to get what the artist wants yeah. and what they want to do with it, then go and record all the instruments and stuff like that. It comes to me, and honestly, I can do probably three tracks in a day because once you've learned the songs and you've, you've figured out how to do it, then it's it's fairly easy for me. It's not a difficult thing for me, and I love it. I love doing it. It's, it still gives me a kick. You know, you've got the headphones on and you sing. Then you say, OK, can I hear? And you hear it and you think, is that me? You know, it's, it's so hard to relate to the fact that your voice can be taken on that thing and, and come back at you, and particularly when you have it mixed and you, yeah. you've got a little bit of echo here. It, it's, it's, it's just so much fun for me. I love it. Um, now, to me... And also, I did like that you sampled your own song in the middle of there. <laughs> a little bit of We Don't Talk Anymore. Yeah, that was the rocker guy, Sam Hollander, and he said, do you mind if I use a bit from your past? In fact, he only used two bits. And the sleigh ride one goes... Just just before I come in, it goes da 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 da. da, da. You, everybody's going to expect congratulations. It's not. It's let's take a sleigh ride. So it, it was it was quite interesting, and and they they gave me what I asked for. And then sometimes it, you can't really get across what you really want. But these guys were fantastic. Yeah. And in the end, I, I was writing out about my album, and in the end, I had to say, this is not my album. This belongs to all of us <laughs> yeah, who yeah, played, yeah. sang, produced it. It was our album. And I'm listening to that, and your voice still has, you know, it's got all the Cliff Richard qualities. It's got that <laughs> tang, the smooth, it's beautiful. And do you, has your voice changed over the years? Can you hear it? Because I can't. No, I can, I can hear it. Particularly, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk the record company into making the cheapest album ever. Stuff I've already recorded before, but no one really has heard. It's been lost on some albums. You know, most albums have maybe two or three singles. Everybody hears that, and they don't realize how rock and roll I was. And my voice was much higher and more gravelly. And so when I and I'm thinking, I'd like to I want to call it a soul set free. Ooh. Because I, I did, uh, what's that show? Uh, Desert Island Discs. Oh, yes. And the last song I chose was by Joe Bonamassa, which goes, High water everywhere. And I said, I'm going to be remembered, I will, and I don't mind, Living Dolls, Summer Holiday, all that sort of stuff. And I'd, I've loved it, and they've been huge hits for me. 
But the stuff I like best are these other rock and roll things where my voice goes, wow, and I can growl and everything. But I won't be remembered for those unless I can talk the record company into re-releasing. <laughs> <laughs> and you might, be, you might be singing some of them because you are on tour next year, the Blue Sapphire Tour. Uh, it's, it's kind of this time next year, isn't it? Uh, yes, it'll be end of October, beginning of November. Oh, OK, yeah. But, uh, you know, because of the Christmas album, I, could, I didn't want to go on tour to this year because obviously no one would have heard it fully. So I thought, let's do something next year. And I tried, I wanted to get a couple of weeks at the Albert Hall and do a full Christmas show. I didn't realise, my manager said, don't hold your breath, you're not going to get it, you left it too late. He said, sometimes we book the Albert Hall five years ahead. Wow. And he said, usually, in your case, we, are, we book it two years ahead. So I blew it this year. So in the end, I'm doing six in London, I think the Apollo. Yeah, the event of Apollo, which yeah. is, yeah. And then, and then one in Glasgow, one in Blackpool. So it's a short little tour, and at least I'll be able to get to the fans, some of them anyway. No, because, I mean, that is... It must be so gratifying for you, you know, after this extraordinary career, that those fans have just never left your side. No, they haven't. And the thing is, of course, if if I had more radio play, thank you, by the way, for having me on and playing something. Go, but it's <laughs> difficult, much more difficult now for those of us who are over the age of, you know, 35. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm 40, <laughs> <laughs> it's just difficult to get the young, get to the younger folk. And a, a lot of radio stations aim at the younger people. But they forget that we older folks did it first. We used the same instruments, we used the same producers, we used the same studios, and there should be no difference. Just let us compete. Yeah. Uh, which is, we've lost that a little bit. And also older folk buy records and older folk go to concerts and they go to shows. Well, they do, actually. And, of course, records don't sell anymore as what, the way they used to. I mean, I've sold close to 300 million records. I don't know that anybody can do that, in spite of the fact when you hear some of these guys and gals that win a competition, they are damn good. Yeah. I mean, they are better than we were, the Shadows and I, when we started, because we didn't really know how to do it. We just heard Elvis and Little Richard and Buddy Holly and we were soaked in that music and then found our way through it, but it took us a while. Whereas nowadays, these young kids are really good singers, and I, I always wish somehow or another that the, that the sale of records would shoot up. I'd rather have a record than an MP3. Yeah. It's a much better quality anyway, a CD. Well, the lucky thing, and also you're embracing it with your red vinyl and your white vinyl. I mean, vinyl is sort of coming back. Well, it is, but, you know, when they say, oh, they've had four million sales... I'm thinking, but there's seven billion people on the planet. It doesn't, it's a drop in the ocean. But And also, what was good? You, well, you, I don't know what... I'm not going to ask you how old you are. I'm very But old. I'm sure you do remember the 12-inch vinyl albums. Yes, I do. <laughs> it was so fabulous to join with the designers to talk about what the sleeve, sleeve should look like. And then when they get... What do they call it? Gatefold? You oh, can yes. have a huge picture on the inside. Nowadays, the CD, they really only want your face on the front. And it's, that's about all you can get on the front. And talking of face, you've got a, uh, a, a new calendar out this year, right? I'm, I what? A calendar out this year. Yes, I have. I yes. say, I've got one ready for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you can get them at cliffrichard.org. Cliffrichard.org. You can get tickets for the tour next year and you can get the calendar. I look forward to that. Spending a whole year with you, Cliff. Uh, thank you so much for coming in to see us. Oh, listen, Grover, it's terrific. I've, I've always liked talking to you. Will you be doing much more TV? I hope so. I mean, that yeah, that's TV's decision. <laughs> well, just remember that if you get to do TV, I am available, but I'm, but I'm not cheap. <laughs>
<laughs> no one ever called you that, Cliff. No one ever called you that. Uh, Christmas of Cliff is out now and the single is Heart of Christmas. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you. And the same to you. And a happy new year. Fabulous oh, new year. Thank you very much. God bless. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. And there's more to come. We play a round of the Waitrose Wheelie Merry Christmas competition and Dick and Angel Strawbridge are over from France to tell us about the final series of Escape to the Chateau. But first... Martha... Uh, right, it's another gift-giving session. Uh, yes. No trolley today, just a tin. Didn't think we needed the whole trolley just to deliver this one little little tin to you. Energy saving, <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, just being lazy, really, to be honest. <laughs> uh, what have you made for me? So, I have made... So this is part one of a two-parter gift, gift-giving set-up. Oh, yeah. So, this weekend we are looking at cookie boxes... So this is a, an American tradition. They do this really, really well over there, and I think in Canada as well, and they call it a holiday cookie box. And basically, people make several different kinds of lovely biscuits, put them all in a lovely tin, decorated nicely with little labels, put the lid on, and that's like a gift that they would give someone. Or if you go to a party or you're not quite sure what to get someone for Christmas, they can't complain because there's not just one cookie, not just two, but normally you've got... Maybe five or six different varieties. And also, you made it. It's free. Shut up. Yeah. Be, very, be really pleased somebody got you anything. Exactly. And you can give it in the tin. So I've got your lovely little John Lewis tin here. So you can give the tin. They can keep the tin. It's a lovely little gift. So I've got the first recipe. So I'm going to show you two recipes um, that you could put in your cookie box gift. So I don't want to rush it. Is the second one tomorrow? The second one's okay, tomorrow. Okay, fine, fine. Okay. <laughs> just, just so I know how to pace this. Yeah, he's like, oh, <laughs> add five minutes, put in another song. Okay, the news is late. We're making, still making biscuits here. No, just one today. These okay. are peanut butter blossoms. But they're not just peanut butter blossoms. <laughs> the best peanut butter that's, blossoms. That's what it says here. <laughs> They're the best. So this is one of those things where you went through lots of recipes. Yes, it's okay. one of those ones where I tested lots of different versions. We don't really have these blossoms here. And traditionally, they have a, a Hershey's kiss in the middle. But we don't get those in the UK. So I've used a lovely kind of waitress dark chocolate button instead. Mm. And the dark chocolate, I think, works really well with the peanut butter. Because it's basically a really soft, squishy peanut butter cookie that's quite um, got quite a lot of height on it. And then you press a chocolate button into it. Okay. I have to say, the, the Hershey Kisses would work really well, though. Oh, they, look, you, they do look yeah, amazing. If you can find them. <laughs> they, I think you can find them here somewhere. Maybe not in Waitrose. In so, specialist yeah. shops. Or anything of that shape, I think, would work well. Yeah. If you find it like a giant chocolate chip. But we don't have any sweets that have that lovely little no. hat look about Could them. Could you just put a, like a, a chunk of chocolate in there? Yeah. Any, yeah. Anything chocolatey. It's all about the flavour. Okay. First and foremost. But they do look lovely when they have that little... <laughs> and um, and I I don't know why I guess because we're you know if you think peanut butter cookie da 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 you kind of think they are going to be quite easy to make kind of kids can make those are are they that easy they are they're nice okay. and simple please know if you're thinking of making five or six cookies there's got to be a few simple ones in there well I've got my Sue Elmore <laughs> coffee in hand and uh, so I'm going to taste them and we'll find out how to make them now is there sugar in them. <laughs> Uh, just a little, just yeah, a little touch. Yeah, I, touch I thought, of sugar. I, mean, I have a very, 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 very uh, sensitive palate. I think I picked up a little bit of sugar there. Uh, so they are delicious. Can I just say, really, really lovely. Uh, how how do you make them? So we're going to start with the aforementioned sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we've got two kinds going into a big mixing bowl. So we want dark brown soft sugar and some caster sugar, and we're going to mix that in with a lot two hundred. 150 grams, almost a whole jar of essential waitress crunchy peanut butter. 
pop that in yeah. um, along with some regular butter and then you want to whisk that all together until it's nice and smooth and creamy. Then we add in one egg, yeah. mix that again. Then we go in with some dry ingredients. So we've just got plain flour and then half a teaspoon of baking powder and half of bicarbonate soda. Give that a really good mix and it makes a lovely thick dough. And these are really good cookies because often recipes are like, and then put it in the fridge for an hour. And you don't want to be doing that sometimes. But these ones can go straight in the oven. Happy days. You can fridge them if you need to, but straight in the oven. So you want your oven preheated to 180 or maybe 190 degrees. You roll your little kind of peanut butter balls into equal sized circle little little balls gotcha patties patties and then they get dusted in more sugar (laughs) which gives them this lovely little sugar in it okay yeah yeah, yeah. did i mention there's sugar in these (laughs) it's got they've got to they've got to last until christmas they've got to be preserving you know they've got to give you that energy boost (laughs) Um, and the sugar on the outside of the cookie looks lovely when they bake because it kind of looks like this little sparkle Mm. on the outside of the biscuit it does gorgeous and when i was testing them i tried some without and they just looked a bit dull so I thought, do you know what? Stick in the extra sugar. That's why these are the best peanut butter <laughs> it's blossoms. It's Christmas. Stick yeah. it in. Um, so then these will bake literally for eight minutes. They don't bake for very long. What you're looking for is them to be really squidgy in the middle, but just kind of cracking on the top mm-hmm. into these little domes. And then as soon as they come out of the oven, you want to press a chocolate button or a kiss or anything meltable into the middle of each one. It kind of depresses it and it melts in so the centre. So don't, you don't make that hole before you put them in? No. Oh, OK. Because they're kind of slightly ragged around the edges, which yeah. I think makes them look really endearing and kind of homemade. Artisanal. And yes, exactly <laughs> that. They're not too, they're not cookie cutter. They're not too kind mm. of um, prim and proper. Yeah. But yeah, you just press them in and kids can do this as well. You just press the cold chocolate button into the cookie and leave it to melt for 10 minutes. And then they have these little pools of chocolate in the centre. They're really good. And they taste really good warm as well if you're not giving them as a gift. Really delicious. And then uh, can you just put them in the tin or do you line the tin? What do you do? So I've put some baking parchment in the bottom of the tin just to make it a bit easier to get them out and to stop those crumbs getting into all of the corners. Um, But you could use tissue paper. You can kind of go to town on this. You can make it look really beautiful. And I've filled this tin with peanut butter blossoms because I thought that the team will eat enough of them that there'll be space tomorrow <laughs> to add my next cookie into the tin. <laughs> yes, I have a funny feeling you might be right, Martha. Yes, uh, we'll find out how to make uh, the second uh, cookie for this kind of little display or a little gift of, of assorted cookies uh, tomorrow. That is Martha's recipe. Uh, kind of made from all the best recipes for peanut butter blossoms. And, of course, you can find that recipe and all the others on the Graham Norton Waitrose, Waitrose Hub. That's on the Waitrose website. It's waitrose.com slash showchef. And all the recipes from Martha are there. You can also check out the recipe and what it looks like on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, thank you so much, Martha. I look forward to more cookie joy tomorrow. Oh, I hope you'll enjoy them. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Right, Martha, this is part two of your cookie extravaganza. Yes, it genuinely is the sweetest thing because you thought yesterday was sugary. <laughs> Today, we have raised the stakes. Wow, my teeth hurt. <laughs> <laughs> they will with these, but I promise it's worth it. These are pecan snowball cookies. But they're the best pecan snowball cookies. The best pecan snowball cookies. I mean, are there many pecan snowball recipes to look at? There are a lot, actually. (laughs) And they they go by different names and different 
countries and cultures. So oh, some right. people would call these Mexican wedding cookies. Okay. But I quite liked snowball because they are covered in icing sugar, so they look yeah. like a snowball. And, and also, it's Christmas. Exactly. It's Christmas time. Very Christmassy. Yeah. And you've paired them with yesterday's peanut butter blossoms. Yes, so we are making cookie boxes, which are a lovely edible gift to give to your loved ones, friends and family, take to a party, make yourself very popular. Yes. Um, so you want more than one type of cookie, ideally, in your box, so you appeal to a wider audience. So we've made yesterday peanut butter blossoms, which are peanut butter cookies with chocolate in the middle, and then today we've got pecan snowballs. So nice and you could put them in, or you could you could arrange them on a, on a platter. You could have a cookie platter. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Useful, acceptable, very nice for a hangover. Uh, <laughs> a nice sugary biscuit. That'll always. Yeah. There's never a bad time for a sugary biscuit. You can have it first thing in the morning with a cup of tea. Sneak one in before you go to bed. It's the ideal. And I have to say, yesterday the peanut butter blossoms they were quite simple to cook are these as easy they are they are because the point of a cookie box is that you're supposed to make a few different kinds of biscuits so if they're too complicated no one's going to make them no they really so aren't <laughs> keep it simple some people get special boxes with dividers inside and then they put like fudge in one bit and snowball cookies in one bit it, it looks lovely it's, people open it oh not what I expected. Yeah, it's variety. The, yes, variety and people <laughs> who want to trouble. And I think also as a gift, you, the fact that somebody went to the bother of making this, it means something. Doesn't exactly, it? Yeah. exactly. And hopefully, when people make them at home, they look professional because these are so simple. Especially yesterday's ones where you press the chocolate button into the middle, but it makes them look really. Someone was saying out there, very symmetrical. They just look very like beautiful. Yeah, even yeah. though they're very simple. Rustic. Rustic, yeah. Yeah, rustic and, and professional. Uh, right, we're going to find out how to bake, make the best pecan snowball cookies. Uh, Martha, reveal all. So, we're going to start with the pecans. Obviously, there's not many ingredients in these cookies, you'll be pleased to know. So if you've got your pecans, you should hopefully... And some sugar, you're there. Yeah, that's basically... <laughs> Basically, essentially, that's what we're, that's what we're working with. <laughs> um, so you want to take your pecans and either chop them up really finely with a knife, but even better, put them into a food processor or like a mini chopper and get them down so they're just a tiny bit rubbly. You want a few little pieces so you get a bit of crunch, but yes. most of it to be really finely ground. Okay. Then we're going to mix that together with some plain flour and some cinnamon for a little bit of that festive spice. Lovely. Um, and then in a separate bowl, we're going to whisk together soft butter and the first half of the icing sugar, so a little bit of the icing sugar goes into the actual cookies themselves. And it's almost like you're making a buttercream icing. But we're, what we're essentially making here is a really light shortbread. So we're mixing, there's not many ingredients, that's, that's all the ingredients, you'll be pleased to know. Wow. So then the dry ingredients, the flour, the pecans will get mixed into that whisked um, icing sugar and uh, butter. And it's so light because the icing sugar just melts in your mouth. They kind of just disappear. Yeah. We're going to shape them into little balls. Mm-hmm chill them so that they hold their shape in the oven because otherwise you'll have kind of pecan splat splat balls <laughs> <Blobges>. <laughs> which when you've covered them on icing sugar they'll still be fine and delicious um they want to bake and you want to bake them literally for eight minutes and they won't feel like they're very cooked when they come out but you have to trust the process because you want them to be slightly squid little chewy in the middle is that a really hot oven it's yeah about 190 degrees all right that's not so quite that hot idea. eight yeah. to ten minutes they'll just start to brown on the bottom but then you want to get them out because you don't really want them to be super crispy all the way through and do you put them in on the chilled tray or do you put them on a heated tray yep you can put them on the chilled tray oh, really and yeah. still eight minutes is enough just yep they go in and you just want to set Lousy. the outside because it was the middle a little bit soft and chewy or was it really crunchy with that the one I just ate? Yeah. It was lovely and crunchy. It was okay, gorgeous. Great. Yeah. So we've got it. So you can yeah. do either way. And then we're going to roll them in the icing sugar. Uh, how long do you let them set for? So, let them, so when they come out of the oven, let them cool down for about five minutes. And okay. then the first coat of icing sugar, so it's more than one. 
Wowza. <laughs> They're getting a double, a double dunking. Icing sugar in a bowl. We're going to take the warm cookies, and this is key. The warm cookies go into the icing sugar, and they will kind of set the icing sugar on them like a kind of glaze. Yeah. Then once they're cool, we're going to dip them again, and that icing sugar won't turn yellow and glaze. It will stay powdery on the top. Hence your snowball. Hence the snowball. Well done. And then you arrange them in a beautiful tin, a la what you've done. Yes. And who's not going to be delighted with those? Exactly. Oh, gorgeous. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, if you want to find out how to make them, uh, or indeed any of our recipes that you found at the Graham Norton with Waitrose Hub, you just head to waitrose.com slash showchef and all of Martha's recipes are there. You can also uh, check out today's recipe and yesterday's on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, so that's cookies. Uh, we're done with gifts now. We're Next week we're gifts. into the main thrust of Christmas cooking, I believe. We're into the main event. <sighs> Getting ourselves ready. Ooh, I look forward <laughs> to that. Is there a roast potato in my future? There, no, if no. you've made a request. No, you pour you. You're that look. <laughs> you've just added my something. Heart. It's fine. We can do roast potatoes. There'll my, be potatoes. My, my little Labrador <laughs> eyes were like roast potatoes. <laughs> no, no, down boy, down boy. Uh, I'll see you next week. <laughs> take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. They're here, everyone. They are here. Yes, they've escaped from the chateau and they're in our studio. Dick and Angel Strawbridge, good morning to you both. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. Well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> it is. It's that time, isn't it? It is. Well, are you, because you brought me, honestly, you're like Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus because you brought me gin and cushions <laughs> and bags and all that. Thank you very, very much. Oh, my pleasure. Oh, well, That's... we can't come anywhere and empty handed, but we just had to. Uh, so, listen, uh, people very upset uh, escaped to the chateau over. But it's not really over. There's a there's a spin-off, am I right? Well, it's not it's not the same as Escape to the Shadow, because obviously Escape to the Shadow has been our last eight years of journey yeah, yeah, with yeah. the children growing up. But we are actually travelling around and seeing a bit more of France, which is not bad. You know, and we Escape to the Chateau in the classic form is over, but our journey is not over. There is still so much to do, and we we will find our way of like communicating that with some somehow. Yeah, because you guys must be looking at going. Well, that's not finished. Oh, <laughs> oh the, it's a chateau. Of course, it's not finished. You know, I think from the sort of second year, we always have that question. So is it finished? And you've got to giggle because um, it's it will never ever be finished. And I mean, we in in the last episode, which is on next. Next week we start our windows and it is such a mega job we had five windows installed and how many windows is there uh, 60 Ish. wow there's a lot of windows it's a pain in the bubble but having said that we are getting to that point it's really comfy but but here's my thing are there things you did eight years ago that now already need to be redone <laughs> <laughs> I went away and I think year two and it came back and Angela had repainted one of the audio rooms we painted. So don't go there. So we, we had Dick, Dick made this rule up that we could only do something a second time if everything had been done a first time. That's so, a good, that is a good rule. Until I went away. When I go away, the rules don't apply anymore. So I've always been naughty, so whenever Dick was away, I would make sure that there's a, a, like paint ready to, to do something. So. <laughs> uh, so Escape to the Shadow at Christmas, that airs next Sunday, the 18th of December. And I was thinking, oh, they'll film this in July. But you you didn't. No, we, we've only just finished filming. Yeah, that's why we could come and see you, because yeah. we've finished. Um, last, last Saturday, 120 people at the Chateau. And I, I'm, friends, family, it yeah, was wonderful. I, only, we are only recovering now. 
Wow. <laughs> and uh, and what, do, what do you feed people at Christmas in the Chateau? Is it English or is it French? Oh, it's both. It's a mixture. Yeah. Well, in fact, we weren't very traditional. We started off with a prawn cocktail. Oh, we, we, why, why, well, actually, we started off with cheeses and oysters. We went and collected oysters from the beach the way you do and we had grilled oysters. That's a new tradition. So that's a French tradition. And our chateau helper, Contan, since a child, he would go around the beaches of, of Normandy and collect all of the oysters. And she doesn't do geography. It's Brittany, but it's just like <laughs> different. Yeah. But it's in France, isn't it? <laughs> well, we actually they speak oysters. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went last year um, as, as, a, as a family, the girls went, but this year it was my dad and James and Arthur and they collected my so boys. many oysters and it, it was fab. So we so we started off with the canapes on feeding people oysters um, and then we went into prawn cocktail and then this year we had a traditional Christmas dinner. However, the capons were done in, in the big hog roast and it was oh, wow. really nice. Yeah. And, and beef, because we are a roast beef. Of course, yes. Yeah, we are a roast beef. beef. <laughs> And now the the chateau. Now that you've stopped filming in it, presumably, have you stopped filming in it now? Yes. That, that was the last time cameras leaving. Like you're going to miss them, aren't you? Yeah. As as the chateau family, yes. But it was weird. We've had one of our our, our so she started as a researcher and now she's a shooting producer. And Chloe, she's been with us five years. And I have to say, the kids were very very sort of upset when they said goodbye. However, when I gave her a last hug and you did, we said next time we see you, darling, you're going to be one of our lifelong friends. And and that's it. So so it's just a different terrain. You know, she's not going to leave our lives. Yeah, but it'd be nice, wouldn't it, to just not wear makeup some days and, and just. I don't. You know, <laughs> you're kidding. To make sure you look like this that. Is you wake up like that. <laughs> I know. It's, it's true. Do you, yeah. you have Angela has got to the stage where she's not wearing makeup all the time, and because we do some pretty grubby jobs and things, though I've never seen anybody dressed up in a kimono and stripping the wallpaper as we. Yeah. So I, beautiful. Do you know what? In the early days, I have to say because I've always, you know, when when I met Dick, I would be always in a little dress, um, stockings, and a full face, and when we started doing the the grubby work I would always I'd, I'd wear full face makeup put my glasses on and I'd have like lipstick on my head and, like, you know, and an eye, eyelash you know down by my chin and it weren't really a look I thought it was actually but that's, yeah, that just shows who I am uh, Escape to the Shadow at Christmas airs next Sunday at 8 o'clock on Channel 4 and we were just saying uh, this final season and indeed I think all the seasons are available on demand on all four uh, that'd be a great binge to watch the whole thing from the beginning to end maybe not for you but, uh... <laughs> we, haven't seen, we haven't seen the early ones. When we look back, the children, Dorothy's zero when we arrived. Oh. And now now she's 22. Yeah. And she, she's only nine, but she doesn't know that. She's uh, eight. Yeah. Oh, eight. <laughs> you see? Whose son got all the attention? Was that your son? Yeah, that's James, yeah. Oh, okay. he, he, he comes along with his tattoos and his long hair, but apparently he looks like me. He's very handsome. Of course. Although that was my mum said that, but it's OK. Oh, I have to say, all the emails that we get afterwards. Ooh, grubby. That's horrible. That's not nice. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, no, I'm sure uh, Channel 4 signing him up. I'm sure they are, yeah. Ed from Chester's been in touch. Bit pervy, this question. Uh, which bedroom do you sleep in in the chateau? Our suite. We've got our own suite. We've got their own suite, Ed. Yeah, we, we should have watched it because last year we put in the mezzanine levels for the children so they, they had more space so they didn't have to move to another part of the chateau because it's like taking your children and moving them next door if you move them somewhere else. Well, and we found a false wall in, in our suite as well, so which was quite exciting. Made I was it bigger. I was convinced there was going to be something behind it. Yes, I, as you said that, I thought, oh, there's a body in there. Possibly a body or, or some sort of treasure. And sadly, there was nothing. Um, wallpaper. But <laughs> there was some really lovely wallpaper, which was treasure. Um, but what we did, was, which was more exciting, and 
rather life-changing was put a closet in there because a massive um, walk-in yeah oh. all the big bedrooms of the chateau um they because they had like a servant's quarter sort of upstairs um they didn't have any um where to put their clothing because they'd be given their clothing every day so yeah life-changing why did you change that idea? That's a great idea. Just having having some else in the pants. Yeah, you see? Bring, bring it down, summon them down. And, and why did they put in that fourth wall? Was it to make it easier to heat or something? No, I think I think it's just people change. It was it was only a couple of feet, but they made a, they made what was basically a chimney breast into a flat wall. Oh, and so they okay. they, they made it modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Angela wants to know. Obviously, you've got a whole television series, but in the chateau, do you have a big book of kind of before and after photographs that visitors can see and stuff like that? Um, no, no, we don't have a book. <laughs> we don't have a book of it, but we do have a, a, like, a record of all the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. We have there's so many pictures taken over time, and it's interesting because um, Christmas we put up our chateau family tree, which is everybody that's been involved from the beginning, all our families, plus all the work people who've worked with us and people we've known. And we had all these photos together looking and chatting with all our guests. And do you know what? It's humbling to see how many people have been on our journey with us. Yeah. It's really quite special. Yeah. Uh, now, I just want to mention your tour, Dare to Do It, because uh, the, the, your, your lovely gin came in a Dare to Do It bag. <laughs> um, so you had a big sellout tour in uh, UK, and presumably you were in Ireland as well with it, were you? Northern Ireland, Belfast. Northern we Ireland. Had a lovely, lovely trip to Belfast. Uh, now you're going to Australia and New Zealand to do it uh, next uh, this coming year, 2023. Uh, and Dare to Do It, does, does it come with a health warning? Because obviously it's worked for you. It's been a, it's a, been a huge success for you but I worry for people <laughs> oh no you can't make an excuse not to do something in your life you've got to jump in with two feet okay. I, I, most people want <laughs> to do it but they have a little excuse or a reason not to actually jumping in and doing it we didn't know what was going to happen when we started ours yeah. and uh, we knew we were going to have a chateau when you were going to make a business and we we're going to do weddings and things but you have to have a go because you only get one chance at this life what would it be like now do you think eight years in what would it be like now if you hadn't had the channel four involvement if you hadn't had that that level of exposure I think the big thing is we were always doing it, you know, because the actual television show, the first series, that didn't air until quite a long time after. And we already had our first wedding booked in, yeah. the first Food Lovers booked in. And, you know, we we decided to to change our life for something that suited us. And I think I don't think we were ever trying to tell people to buy a chateau and do something <laughs> like this, because that's never been we our message. We want some neighbours. But, but, what, but what I think has come from it, and we get this, you know, we get told this a lot, is that people have decided to, like, you know, decorate a room or or, cha- or start a new business or do something that they want to do and yeah. I think that is the big message uh, I think if we hadn't had the television there we would be running what is the hospitality business that we're both I, I do the kitchen stuff Angela does the front of house yeah. and we're suited to that and we worked together in London before we left with Angela's business and she was doing lots of events for the vintage patisserie and I was doing sort of the, the dog work downstairs yeah. the ugly factor I'm downstairs <laughs> Angela's upstairs that's the way we've worked and we would have been doing that in a way that would would have been um, still given us the time because the season is summer yeah. and that allows us to sort of have more family time and that's what we'd always aimed at to make it right for Arthur and Dorothy. So it's that thing dare to do us but dare to do something that is achievable that's, yeah. that you've yeah, <laughs> that go for it. possible. 
exactly. Yeah. I'm just wor- I just worry. I worry for people. <laughs> uh, Dick and Angel Strawbridge. Uh, it is a sad farewell to the Chateau. Uh, Escape to the Chateau at Christmas airs next Sunday at 8 o'clock. But it's all there on uh, all four. And there will also be next year Escape to the Shadow Secret France. Uh, so we will be more of, of Dick and Angel Strawbridge. There can't be too much. Uh, thank you for my gin, my cushion, my sock Thanks and my, my bag. Thanks for having us. Uh, goodbye. Enjoy the freezing fog. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, it's happening. We're playing the Wheelie Merry Christmas competition. There are ten big waitress prizes loaded on that wheel up for grabs, uh, including a Christmas party food bundle, Leckford Estate Brute Sparkling Wine, champagne by any other name, uh, Heston for waitress hot chocolate pennies, or your Christmas party paid for. Okay, on the line, I believe we've got Alison. Hello, Alison. Hi, Graham. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Where, where are you? Um, I'm in Billericay. You snowed in or just fogged in? Um, well, I very icy and very foggy today. All right. So, have, have you got any plans this Sunday, or is this the height of excitement? Um, well, this is a nice surprise height of excitement, but um, I'm just running around my teenagers. Um, I'm just um, going to be taking my, my daughter to the cinema with her girlfriend, and then um, I've, I'm going out with um, my father and um, his wife tonight as a sort of late birthday meal. Lovely. Well, drive safe. We don't want any falls or accidents. Now, here's the thing. So what, I, what happens now is I'm going to ask you a really simple Christmas question, OK? And okay. fingers crossed you're going to get this right. Come on, Alison. Uh, OK, so uh, if you get it right, then I'm going to spin the wheel and whatever it lands on, you win. It's as simple as that. OK, you ready? OK, ready. OK, Alison Billy Ricky is ready. My question for you is, complete the title of this Christmas song. Santa Claus is coming to... Town. You are correct. I worry. I get so... Uh, the Christmas questions are so simple, and yet I'm terrified someone's going to get them wrong. Uh, well done, Alison. OK, you are now going to win something on this wheel. So my voice will get a bit distance as I go. And this is me wheeling away to the wheel. OK, big old spin, and whoa, there it goes. There it goes. Where it lands, nobody knows. Oh, it's spinning, it's spinning, Alison. It's a da, da, da. What have you got? You have got... You've got the Heston from Waitrose uh, Hot Chocolate Pennies. Oh, thank you. That's lovely. <laughs> no, they're really... Honestly, honestly, if you're going to get one of the not big prizes, that is a good one to get because they're delicious. You put them in hot milk and you stir them around and they, or you can just eat them as hot chocolate pennies. So there you go. It's delicious. Your teenagers will be so excited to get them. They'll love them. Love them, Alison. They will. <laughs> uh, anyone you'd like to say hello to while you're on the, the wireless? Oh, just my daughters, Lila and Rebecca. Ah, well, I hope they enjoy the cinema and I hope you have a nice time with your father and his wife tonight. Uh, thank you for playing, Alison. Enjoy your Hester Waitrose hot chocolate pennies. Merry Christmas to you. And you, Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, make sure you are following us on our socials at Virgin Radio UK to see everything from Graham's Guide to gorgeous dishes from show chef Martha. Speak soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.